Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Afrotech 2019. Oakland, California. Alfonso Morris, who's at the time a product designer at Coursera, the world's leading online educational platform, is in an Afrotech lounge. And he drops roughly three keys about making it as a designer for tech companies. We work on web apps, websites. It's interesting because a product designer is responsible for all the stages of developing a product where some people might think of a visual designer as what it looks like or a UX designer as what it feels like. A product designer is actually an umbrella of all of the stages of developing a product. So we do strategy, we do discovery, we do brainstorming, we do prototyping, we do wireframing and information architecture and visual design as well as we have a close relationship with engineering usually because that's who ends up developing the actual product. I think the biggest myth that I hear is you have to be in engineering to be in tech. And I understand why people think that, but that's why I also said the biggest myth that I hear. Tech has so, tech is so big, there's so many layers that engineering is honestly just one slice of the pie. That's who's responsible for building the product but you got the marketing team, you got the advertising team, you got UX writers, you got content strategists, you got designers, you got data scientists, you got product managers, project managers, design leads. There's so many different lanes in tech that if more people knew that there was other positions besides for engineering and tech, I think you would see a lot more people of color in tech. What skills are necessary to become a product designer in 2019, 2020? I would say you definitely need to know a 
design tool app, for example, a sketch or a Figma, you definitely need to know about data as far as quantitative versus qualitative. You definitely need to understand apps. And I would tell everybody something that, a skill that they can learn on their own is to take out their phone and play with some of the apps that's on their phone and judge the app, what you like about the app, what you don't like about the app. And after you do that little app review with yourself, see what part of that process stood out to you. And that's a lane that you might be able to follow into product design because that's what you're interested in. So there's a lot of design tools you can learn. There's a lot of books and methodologies you can read, but there's a lot of social media places you can go to to get inspiration and follow leaders in the industry. So I would say start with a design tool, but also a lot of research. Do you need to go to a four-year school to become a designer? Which is pretty much saying, do I need a degree to become a designer? No. I don't think there's a threshold of when somebody can actually not be called a designer. You know what I mean? So you don't become a designer once you get a degree. You would go to college for design if there was something super specific that you wanted to study. Can you go to a boot camp? Yes. But I also think you can become a self-taught designer like I did. I just spent every second that I could learning this software. And as I did that, I grew and I understand and I learned more about becoming a designer and what it takes to be a designer. So I'm all for four-year colleges, but I'm also for online education. I work at an online ad company, Coursera, but I also believe in somebody spending the time to use the resources that's available through social media or Medium or Twitter or LinkedIn. So no, I do not think you need to go to college to become a designer. And I don't think you'll be a better designer if you go to college. I think it's about preference and where you wanna go because certain positions may require a degree. And if they require that degree, then you should probably get it. But I don't think the degree will make you the designer. That's what I'm saying. You gotta feel the, that inside that you're a designer and you gotta show it through the work and the products that you produce. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Beamer Williams is a 10-year creative industry leader and executive and is currently host of Claimer, a career discovery podcast to help black and brown creatives discover their dream careers, and it's rated number one in iTunes. He was also previously in global entertainment marketing at Nike and global footwear product marketing for Yeezy at Adidas, and he's held other creative roles at global brands. There's a strong bridge between technology and the creative industries, whether it be through how creative work is distributed, the opportunity to collaborate with other creatives, or how creatives actually create. Maybe it's a hot new app. I asked Beamer, how has technology opened up the floodgates on how creatives can monetize their work in intellectual property? Oh my goodness, it's changed everything, right? If you think about it, we got to go, go back just a tiny bit before you, you could monetize whatever you were doing right and so i think back to the time of like when we think about this creator kind of community that's happening in the midst of of tech creator economy there are times you're talking like 2011 2010 specifically where you know facebook was maturing 
Instagram's coming online, Twitter's pretty mature, and some of these other things starting to pop up. And at the time, people had like these these big followings, but there was no way for you to really do anything with a, from a monetization standpoint, right? Like you might get something here and there, but when you think about today and how those tools have really advanced to literally, you can literally have like a Patreon account where you can get a subscription model going for for you, and that becomes a business, right? Other than that, folks are selling merch, which is still a great, you know, revenue generator uh, for a business. But from a tech perspective, you weren't able to charge people a subscription seamlessly. You weren't able to have digital events where people could pay to attend those events. Um, and then just the seamlessness of those services, it didn't exist at that time. And you think about now, app, Apple now doing that directly through Apple Podcasts from a tech side, right? Like these are leaps and bounds from where we were a decade ago. I wonder your thoughts on, you know, and I appreciate everybody out there, whatever stage of the entrepreneurial journey they're on. But I wonder your what, what do you think when you see people who may have in their bio, you know, they're a designer or whatever. But the products may just be the T-shirt that they started. <laughs> off with. And again, I appreciate everybody's yeah. journey because you've got to start somewhere. And But I wonder, like, at what point is somebody a bonafide designer? At what, at what point am I? at least in the direction of being like a Jeff Staple versus somebody who bought some Hanes t-shirts or some, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and put my logo on them and I'm selling them and it still has the tag from right. Hanes or, or, you know, um, American apparel or whatever. Like at what point from your perspective, and this is mm-hmm. your perspective, is mm-hmm. somebody really on the right road to becoming a real designer? Right. So, well, one thing I want to touch on that that you said is at a certain degree, you could be a designer at multiple different levels. Right. If 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 you have a graphic that shows up on a T-shirt, you are a designer and there is a space and a place for you to to show up in the industry in in different ways. When you think of the traditional word uh, designer, and I think in this instance, if you're thinking about maybe the consumer that's looking at it versus the brand that's looking at it. Um, the brand and working with partners, that typically comes down to like a product designer. Can you design a product from start to scratch that shows up as this new thing, right? And so when we think about, if you take it to a t-shirt, you could be considered a graphic designer if you design that graphic that shows up on that printed shirt. Another level of design is also a designer that decided like, hey, I like the, the way that that shirt is, but I want to change the, the entire shape of that shirt. So you might come change, right? You might come change how, you know, the shoulder lines fall here. You might change the width and the boxiness of the shirt. You might change, you know, the size of, of the neckline, et cetera. Like those are different iterations of design. I think if you think about a Jeff Staple level designer, Jeff, Jeff Staple is a, a designer that has been through multiple phases and iterations in his career, right? Jeff has uh, a background in graphic design. Jeff has also now been able to jump into industrial and product design. I think he's even got projects where he's designed bikes now, right? It just comes from different levels of experience. And I'd also think uh, you have to think about, if you're thinking about it from a career side, you have to also think about where you want to go. For example, if you want to design sneakers, right? That is a tangible product. It does not come from maybe veneering, which is what we consider when maybe you add colors to a retro sneaker like a Jordan, right? Now, if you have a totally new Jordan, like a Jordan 36, that likely went through a whole 18 months, 16 months, maybe even longer process to design with multiple people working on different parts of that sneaker. (laughs) 
If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, and we're going to come back to that because you, you just sparked so many ideas that, that come to me. But I wonder before we I want to continue setting the stage here before we mm-hmm. go deeper into this. Um, I wonder how a designer who's really put into work, how do they become a brand? Because I think about like how did what was the work like in Virgil, a Virgil Abloh did or like a Daryl Brown or a said like mm-hmm. at what point at what point? Are they a brand that broke out, got shelf space at Barney's or whatever? Like, at what point do you get to that? Like, what are the moves you have to make? Right. Or or the person you need to know. Right. What is it that gets me there? Right. I think the two interesting things that, or the one interesting thing that, that comes from the two folks that you just mentioned is that uh, they came from under a certain designer and creative. 
and that designer and creative being Kanye West. And you have to think about when you are building a brand, right? The benefit of being a brand yourself or being at a brand, uh, if you're thinking about it through a business lens is the visibility that that brand can offer, right? The doors that that brand can open, the conversations that you could be at, the tables that you could sit at, the tables that you could then build, right? After you've, you've, you've been through kind of that journey. And when I think of someone like Daryl, I think of someone like Virgil, the start of that was they had to set that foundation for being a designer. Like where did they start to cultivate those initial skills, right? We know Virgil went to RISD. Uh, we know Daryl has his background. It had to start somewhere. So they had some sort of understanding about design to begin with. I think after you have that particular experience, you want to start to figure out, okay, how can I like get more experience that takes me uh, a level above maybe, you know, some of the other designers because the space is crowded, right? There's a lot of folks that want to be in design. A lot of folks want to be creatives. A lot of folks want to be small business owners and entrepreneurs. And so if, if, if that next step for you is like, okay, how can I start to separate myself? Then naturally you're looking for experiences that are going to do that. That usually starts with a network, right? That is that next phase is a huge like separator from the pack. And it's all about what sort of network that you can get into. Some networks come from going to work at other brands. For example, I went to go work at Saucony, Adidas, and, and Nike. There's a certain thing that comes when you're able to get into that because proximity puts you into certain circles. If you're thinking about a Darrow or a Virgil, you have to imagine before we knew Virgil was Virgil today, Virgil was in the Yeezy and Kanye camp for several years and no one knew who he was. And at the time, you know, Virgil is continuing to get more experience as a designer himself. He is also um, getting challenged with all these different creatives that come through that network of which he has been working with. And then in addition to that, he is getting, you know, his own ideas about what it might look like for him to create his own brand. And when you think about a brand, a lot of times people think about brands and they're like, it's a logo. And they think it's a name. That's not a brand. Like that's a logo. It's a, it's a design uh, thing that tells you what the brand is. The brand is heart, right? The brand is purpose. The brand is how do you make people feel? If we leave this call today and Will remembers nothing else, he remembers that I talked about careers. That's a brand. The brand is what you leave here on that person uh, that you intend to connect with. That's what a brand is. And so when you think about Virgil, right, at, at this current point in time, his, his brand is always going to shift as a, as a creative that's what he should do. But his current brand sits around this kind of deconstruction of design, really demystifying, democratizing design, if you will. When you think about Daryl, he's really uh, down this path of workwear and actually doing authentic workwear and coming from this different perspective. And so that's what brands are. It's what it's not a name. It's what what does it make that person feel? What does that take away when you're no longer in the room or in their presence? But like at some point, it, there has to be where the name does hit an inflection point, because how do you get people to pay attention? So I imagined and tell me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but I imagined like, I found out like Daryl's from my hometown. So I knew like Daryl's <laughs> And so I'm like, yeah. but like when his stuff really hit, you know, the upward trajectory is because I saw LeBron wearing it in a press conference. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, so does you and you talked about proximity. So is it that you need. Because the marketplace is so crowded, do you need that cosign? Mm. You need a you need a a concert of cosigns is what I would call it, 
right? You need several things working for you almost simultaneously, uh, right? In order to have that sort of that presence, right? For Daryl, it's a couple of different things that happen, right? Like Daryl came into my 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 mental when he was doing the hats, the um, uh, real friends hats, right? So that was like one of the things that started to bubble and it started to circulate in, in the PR. But then, you know, as you look at him now, he was a, uh, a stylist for Kanye West for a certain point in time. So then you have that cosign that raises his profile a bit and then he's seeding folks and then he's developing relationships and then he's doing partnerships with different brands. Those things actually start to propel you to a different lane. It's not just gonna be that one LeBron seating that's gonna do it. It's gonna be the LeBron hit and then it's gonna be Oh yeah, this is the brand to watch because Complex just you know listed Daryl as the brand to watch, and then oh yeah, uh, Kanye's wearing those pants that you know Daryl just designed, and so it is always it, you know I think Daryl is you know working on a couple other projects too. Like it's always a a concert of things. It's never just one thing. But if I'm talking to someone who is is vastly interested, in that, I would say yo, like it is one your network, right? Do you have a network of other designers or a community of people that work in that fashion space that you can, you know, send product to get their feedback. If they like it, they might wear it, it might show up somewhere, that's great. Can you do collaborations with, with other people that is mutually beneficial and it's not just about, oh, we did a collaboration and you want to show up on a site, you know, we're kind of past that from, from you know, a culture standpoint, like that's been done before, like what's the meaning behind that? And then storytelling, a lot of folks are really doubling down on how they storytell, how they bring these ideas of their brands to life and those things start to circulate and gain attention. Uh, so I would say it's a, it's a concert of kind of those different ideas building momentum over time. Uh, just for everybody watching uh, live on lunch table or Facebook right now, we do have producers watching the chat. So feel free to drop your comments, questions or other inside the chat. And if you know, we can get to it, we would certainly do our best to get to them and f feel free to be selfish and specific. Cause I want to make sure we're being, we're bringing actual value to you in your situation. Mm -hmm. um, so go ahead and drop that stuff in the chat. Uh, so I, I wonder how collabs work and hmm. how money is made. And so you, you think about some of the names we talked about, the Virgils, the Daryls, the Jeff Staples, et cetera, who have done collaborations with other brands. And one that specifically struck my interest when I was preparing for this talk was like the Lil Nas X and Mischief um, mm -hmm. for the Demon's Shoe. And I wonder, number one, how do collaborations make money for the designer? Mm -hmm. And two, like the Mischief one, was, and Nike said, we don't have anything to do with this. So mm -hmm. how did they even get this? How right. did they get all of the sneakers to be able to, <laughs> you know, hack them up yeah. and then put them like, how did that happen? Yeah. So I would say that particular collaboration was more one of those black market collaborations, right? It's not anything that's officially done with a brand the size of Nike. So if you're going to do something like that, it's likely more so considered, uh, though it's a collab here, we would you typically can consider that just somebody customized sneakers and they sold them, you know, separately on their own. I think not Little Nas X and his team took it to a different place by putting a whole campaign around this. So essentially, the way they had to get those shoes is they likely had to go purchase those shoes off of retail 100% unless they had some sort of connection and somebody, you know, hooked them up with a discount from somewhere. But likely they bought those shoes 100% retail. After they bought all of those sizes, the company that was the customizer would literally have to buy hand or whatever team that they have would have to customize those shoes one by one. And then they put those, those sneakers up for sale. 
a project like, project like that, I think they had under a thousand pairs for those sneakers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. I think the price tag was somewhere around 200, 300 bucks. And so, it, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good bit of a chunk of change. But if you're talking about, you know, we look at the global sneaker market, you're talking billions and billions of dollars in a large scale of things, that, that's not a huge chunk for the, the, the team that customized those shoes. They made money because Lil Nas X team likely paid them uh, a commission for being the designers behind that. If we think about that from a brand side and in the sneaker industry and how that works on that side, well, if you, you bring in someone like a, a, a Virgil or a Daryl, usually um, there's a design fee behind that, right? So that's how they automatically recruit um, uh, or make money from that particular deal. Beyond that, uh, depending on how things are negotiated and how they move forward, you know, they may have you know, additional money that comes from the sale of those sneakers. And if you think about where collabs were back in the day, um, and you think about where collabs are now, collabs have become a part of what we consider in the industry like inline product. Like people buy collabs more than they buy, you know, the white on white or the black on black Air Force One that's on the shelf. They want the, the Virgil. And so you see, you see an off-white Air Force One in bigger volumes than we would ever have seen when, you know, I was camping out for sneakers in, you know, two, 2005, whatever, like it's a completely different scenario. And I think the other way uh, that folks were making money, have been making money and from those collabs is a lot of times those, uh, those, those personalities and those individual brands also have their own retail. And so they would have an allocation of product that they could sell through their own channels and they can make a bigger markup on that product. And so you gotta be thinking a couple of different ways about how you would do that. But at the end of the day, collabs are starting to scale, right? They are volume-based product now. They aren't just these, we made a hundred pairs and uh, you know, it was a good marketing thing. No, these things are actually generating, depending on how big you can get volumes, they're actually generating real business. And so that's how a lot of folks who are doing designing and collabs are getting design fee, they're getting royalties. And if they you know, have their own retail, they could sell it and make money there, right? Uh, I think Travis Scott has a spot called Space out in Houston. And so he's able to distribute product through that. Um, Kanye has Yeezy Supply. He's able to sell his product directly from his own platform. And so at the end of the day, if you can get scale and you can do it through that lane, that's how you're making your money. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, 
Participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So, uh, so I have a, a deep question streets want to know. <laughs> Does Nike care about bots on the sneakers app? I can't, I can't answer that. Does Nike care that I, you cannot hit on the sneakers app? They don't. They I can't, can't care. I'm taking it's L's impossible. just like just like everyone else. The streets want to know, man. The streets want to know. What was the last sneaker you tried to get on uh, on sneakers? Oh, the last ones I tried to get, I actually hit on. They were the blue uh, fours. And I actually okay. blue concrete for I actually hit, but I was like, I didn't even really want them. I was just like, I'm just see if I'm I can try. hit. Yeah, I'm just try. <laughs> but the ones I actually want, taking L's left and L's. right. L's. <laughs> so so let but let's but let's actually go because there's something here now because I wonder there are people really making money on these bots and I'm like okay but if if you know our non melanated friends are building these mm-hmm. bots and getting getting the bag. How do we cash in? Because apparently the system is built for people to be able to to manipulate it in some way. So <laughs> I wonder how do we take advantage if we're not going to be the designers away? What are the other opportunities mm-hmm. to make money, mm-hmm. whether it be on in the secondary market, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, buying a thousand pair of Air Force Ones and finding somebody mm-hmm. in our community who's got a name and then doing it for a rapper in our community. Mm-hmm. And like, how how do we find interesting and creative ways to take advantage of the opportunity of creativity. Like, talk to me about yeah. some of the things that you've seen happen. Yeah, totally. I've seen, I've seen it come from that, the entrepreneurial side, right? And I think you got to think about it in multiple ways. You have Jock Slate, who's made a career out of creating content around sneakers and fashion all on YouTube, right? And literally has a fan base that's in the millions at this point and they show for the videos, receives compensation through ads, through other monetization avenues, has done work with Foot Locker, has done work with eBay and you, you name it, right? And so that's one of the lanes, right? You can, you can go through the, through the lane of maybe the creator economy and, and do it that way. I think another way could be uh, seeing yourself in retail, right? Yes, we know that the StockX exists and some of these other um, uh, resale platforms uh, that are out there, but folks also love brick and mortar, right? We also love supporting the businesses in our neighborhood. I'm in uh, uh, Portland right now, 
and index is is still alive and well and it is a um you know an aftermarket uh sneaker boutique right you can then if you have passion for those things and maybe you could take it into a different business may not even think of so for example um deadstock coffee here is a sneaker inspired coffee shop right who you know who would have thought like that would be a thing but it's one of the pillars of the community here uh, you can go down the realm of what we've done, right? We are a, uh, you know, at the at this current point, we have a podcast and we're expanding to some other things, but we've been able to take digital content and figure out how to monetize that content with different sponsors um, that support the work that we're doing in the audience that we're trying to cultivate and teach um, about different career possibilities. I think at the end of the day, the other thing that is most important is taking the time to figure out how can you learn more from other people that may be doing things creatively that you may be interested in, right? We talk to an unlimited amount of people and we try to record that information so that that next generation or even folks that are in career paths and want to pivot, right? From a creative standpoint, we try to give them as many examples as how you can go about doing that because nine times out of 10, you didn't grow up with that information, right? We didn't grow up in communities where you literally had, you know, your mom's best friend may have been in, you know, a, a VC or had may have been working at Facebook or working at Blavity, right? We didn't necessarily grow up with a lot of those networks. And so now it's important that either our generation shares that information back or we can partner with these different corporations and organizations to make sure that information is readily available. There was a question that came in on Facebook um, from Tamika Carroll says, how is sustainability playing a part in consumer choices? How mm. does a sustainable company garner support and does branding matter with regards to sustainable products? And I just want to throw this little caveat in there because I remember when Nike came out with the This Is Trash like a year ago, which are mm -hmm. leftover pieces from the cutting you know, room floor and they made other sneakers out. So how is sustainability playing a part in, in creative industries? I think sustainability has a long way to go um, from the standpoint of how it actually resonates with consumers. And I think it is actually directly tied to diversity and inclusion, right? And so one of the things that I've been saying for a very long time when we talk about sustainability is how is it humanized from the brand standpoint? How is that, how is that being humanized? Because when I think about sustainability, right? I think about, hey, I'm a black man and my sustainability as far as definition is actually my life because I don't think about it when it comes to, I can't think about recycling that product, that, that, that bottle just yet. I can't think about the specific recycled shoe yet because if I'm a kid in Baltimore, if I'm a kid growing up in New Orleans, I'm trying to figure out how I'm getting home a lot. That to me is sustainability. So I think when we think about that and we think about brands, you gotta humanize. Right now it's not human. Right now it is more of an elitist viewpoint that we can't really wrap our heads around when we're all trying to figure out the day-to-day -day of what's happening in this world, what's happening in the U.S. So I could talk to you another hour, but you know, <laughs> we, 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 we got like a couple of minutes, but I want to make sure I get this question in before we get out of here, because we all remember, you know, the Kanye conversation with Sway and, and Sway was saying, why don't you just put your own money up and then come out, Sway. Um, and so we do have this conversation in our communities about like, if you can't get a seat at your table, build your own table. And mm -hmm. I wonder, like, yeah, while we laugh at the meme of the house way, like, what is it that causes black owned brands in, in smaller brands across the board, not just black owned brands, but brands, period, from being able to break through to being big houses like the Ralph Lauren's, the Calvin Klein's mm -hmm. and Michael Kors? Like, what is it that 
these smaller brands don't have that those brands have somewhat of a monopoly on per Kanye? Financing. Financing is the number one difference maker because when you think about what a LVMH is able to do with a Louis Vuitton uh, and you think about Fenty, which I know was just rolled down, but the thing that's able to happen is they can show up at Fashion Week and they can spend millions of dollars on campaigns that circle the world. They can sign contracts with Virgil Abloh. They can have fashion uh, fashion shows where Kit Cuddy walks down, right? These, all of these things cost money. Now, there is a scale to it, right? You don't necessarily have as much money as that and still be able to make waves. I think uh, Telfer is a great example of how to build a brand and not have maybe access to, to the same amount of funding as Louis Vuitton, but Telfer is granting a ton of traction. It is a community built brand and slowly built over time. And so when you think about what you have, creativity plays a huge part in it. Money doesn't always equal success, right? But money added on top of really great ideas could definitely add fire to the, to the flame, fuel to the flames. And so, but at the end of the day, if you're asking me succinctly, that is the major difference is funding. It takes money to build these brands. It takes, you know, resources when you think about supply chain. It takes uh, money to, to innovate and continue to come up with great ideas, to bring in the best talent for expanding after you have one hot item. How do you continue to have multiple hot items? It takes those resources. If you need more visibility, maybe you want to bring in a personality like a, uh, you know, a person, uh, a creative director, or you want to bring in a celebrity or you want to bring in an athlete to maybe wear that product. It takes funding and resources to do that. And for our businesses, we need more access to that type of capital, which is why it's great to see more of some of those options showing up, but we need more. It's not enough because as you can see, there's such a vast difference in what's accessible to black and brown businesses versus you know, the LVMHs that are out there that have been around for so long. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Marissa Lewis. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan, you know, like the wine. I guess that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. The video version of this episode will drop to Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.